There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sports. <laughs> this is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Indeed it is. It's The Grill. We're into our second hour of the show. Where did that first hour go? Uh, it went because we've got so much to talk about. So much going on in the world of sport and we will address more of those in a few moments' time. Uh, let's start with uh, what is happening in the world of football at the moment. Uh, obviously we've had... Uh, before we do that though, I've just got to play this one for the boys. Uh, you've got to have your say. If you want to get your say uh, into us, please do so by texting us now on 4001. Having your say online uh, at Dubai I, one of 38FM uh, at Dubai I Sports or at Barasti Beach. It is the grill. Live from Barasti where the game is always on. Frank Lampard shared the spoils uh, along with uh, Brendan Rodgers a little earlier on. 2-2 it finished between Leicester City and Chelsea Football Club. Uh, Frank Lampard, though, I love this, he was asked yesterday about uh, his transfer policy during the transfer window, which came to a conclusion last night uh, in rather a novel way by the journalist in question. Frank, can I just get the obvious stuff out of the way, talk to you about, for the last time in three months, hopefully, about transfers? Thank goodness. <laughs> can, I, can we do a quick game of deadline day, deal or no deal? Um, I'm not sure. Go on. <laughs> Dries Mertens in? No. No deal? Edison Cavani in? I don't want to play the game. <laughs> um, the window is probably 95% shut for us. I know there are hours left of it, but um, the answer will be no to probably, I'm guessing, the players that you're saying. And in that case, Giroud out, deal or no You expected deal. that game to go longer, didn't you? <laughs> I'd still try it. I get it. Olivier Giroud out, deal or no deal? No. <laughs> Is he happy with that situation? Olivier Giroud in this window has been incredible as a professional and as a man. And uh, we all know that there's been interest and I sat here every, um, every press conference and said, if it's right for Olivier, for myself, for the club... Um, and he's been impeccable in that period. Um, and I've got huge respect for him for that and as a player. And the answer again is no. As in, will he leave? No. Has he trained today? Yes. And no problems as far as no. I'm concerned? Okay. Any, any ins or outs do you think at all? I know you said 95% no. No, but... that's, that's what I'm saying. And, and the no ins means no outs. That'll be a no then, <laughs> won't it? That would be. But, but he was lying, was our Frank, yeah. when he said that there would be no outs. Because there was one in the final few minutes. Young Tariq Lamptey. Who, play, who people might remember came on for about half an hour against Arsenal just before Christmas. One of the most highly regarded players in that Chelsea Academy setup. Predominantly a right back, very, very slight in frame is young Tarek Lamptey. But he's moved on. We did think at the time when he was thrown on against Arsenal that that was Frank's way of saying, look, just stick with us. You'll get your opportunity. Sadly, he hasn't been seen since. And he made a move last night to Brighton, which I think is a good move for him. I think he'll get opportunities there to play at right back. Of course, they're predominantly... Um, they predominantly use Dan Byrne, but Dan Byrne's injured now and is facing a lengthy spell on the sides. So Tarek has taken that step and we expect big things from him down at Brighton. Uh, transfer winner was a weird one. Um, bit of a, bit of a, a, bit of a few deals done uh, early doors, not a huge amount late doors, not a huge amount to wake up to this morning. Let's just do a little wrap-up if we can and then we'll get the thoughts from the boys uh, with regards to transfers. Equally, uh, what about your team? Are you happy with the ins and the outs during the January transfer window? We'd love your thoughts. This is what happened in the Premier League. Arsenal left it late but signed two players in the final week. Pablo Marie arrived from Flamengo. Cedric Suarez from Southampton was confirmed on deadline day. OK, it was a busy month at Aston Villa. Danny Drinkwater and Pepe Reina arrived on loan. Embana Samata cost £8.5 million from Genk. Louis Barry came in from Barcelona and Borja Baston signed on deadline day. No new signings for Bournemouth this window and they kept hold of Joshua King amid interest from Manchester United. Glenn Murray stayed, Tarek Lamptey arrived from Chelsea, Alex McAllister came back from Boca Juniors and Aaron Moyes' loan from Huddersfield became a £5 million permanent deal. The headline signing at Burnley was midfielder Josh Brownhill from Bristol City for £7 million. Naki Wells went the other way for £4 million. The transfer ban was lifted, but no incomings at Chelsea. Frank Lampard wanted a striker, but Olivier Giroud is staying. So no Edison Cavani and no Dries Mertens. At Crystal Palace, Cenk Tosin arrived from Everton on loan. Scott Banks was signed from Dundee United. Connor Wickham sealed a deadline day loan move to Sheffield Wednesday. Everton were linked with 
Matthias Vecino from Inter Milan, Allen from Napoli, and Southampton captain Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. But their only signing was a 17-year-old defender, Jared Branthwaite from Carlisle United. Leicester City wanted a central defender all window, and he came with hours to spare. Ryan Bennett from Wolves is on loan with an option to buy. Only new arrival at Liverpool was Takumi Minamino. He cost just over £7 million from RB Leipzig. Manchester City will go with what they have until the summer. For Manchester United, this window was all about Bruno Fernandes and Odian Igalo. Fernandes arrived for initial €55 million Euros from Sporting. Igalo is coming on loan from Shanghai Shenhua. Meanwhile, Marcus Rojo has gone back to Estudiantes on loan. Productive window for Newcastle United. Three loan deals. Winger Valentino Lazaro from Inter Milan. Midfielder Nabil Benseleb from Schalke. And left-back Danny Rose from Tottenham. The new signings at Norwich were Sam McCallum from Coventry. Andre Duda on loan from Hertha Berlin. Lucas Rupp from Hoffenheim and Melvin City from Sochaux. What a window for Sheffield United. Three signings in the last two days to add to Jack Rodwell and Jack Robinson. In came Panagiotis Retsos from Bayer Leverkusen. In came Dutch striker Rishara Zivkovic from Chinese club Changchung Yaitai. And income midfielder Sander Berg from Genk for a club record, £22 million. Carl Walker-Peters signed on loan from Spurs and that meant Cedric Suarez was allowed to join Arsenal. Meanwhile, Maya Yoshida has joined Sampdoria on loan. His contract up in the summer. No incoming business for Tottenham on deadline day, but earlier, Jetson Fernandes came in on loan from Benfica. Steven Bergwijn arrived from PSV Eindhoven and Giovanni Lo Celso's loan from Real Betis became permanent. Big departure, Christian Eriksen to Inter Milan. João Pedro came in from Fluminense. Ignacio Pusetto joined from Udinese. But Nigel Pearson wasn't able to get the centre-back he wanted. Burnley turned down a series of offers for Ben Gibson. West Ham United signed Jared Bowen from Hull City. Darren Randolph returned to the club from Middlesbrough. And Thomas Suchek came through the door from Slavia Prague. The Wolves paid Olympiacos almost £17 million for the Portuguese winger Daniel Podence. Patrick Cotroni went on loan to Fiorentina. And Ryan Bennett has joined Leicester on loan. We get reaction to those transfers. First goal of the seven o'clock. Yes, it's come at Vicarage Road. It's Watford one, Everton nil. Adam Messina is the goal scorer as Watford continue their wonderful run of form and what they will hope will be the great escape from relegation. They are rewarded for what has been a bright start. Gerard Delafeu got away down the left hand wing, picked out Messina. He took one touch before driving a low effort into the fast into the far corner for what is his first goal in the English top flight it was a wonderful team move and it means as well that as things stand at this very moment in time Watford are out of the relegation zone Watford 1 Everton 0. Going to keep an eye on all of those uh, back to the transfers uh, let's go to our Arsenal fan and our Liverpool fan and get their thoughts uh, on their uh, deals let's start with Arsenal. Yeah so Pablo Mori listen Arsenal it's no surprise or secret that Arsenal are how to put this politely and safely for the radio, absolute garbage at the back. <laughs> um, so it was important that we, we, we got some strength in depth back there. I'm not sure either of the two players are going to walk into the starting eleven, but they will provide a challenge. The fascinating stat for me about Pablo Mori, the, the centre-half we've signed, ex-Manchester City, coming in after a six-month uh, six period in Brazil. He's the first left-footed centre-back Arsenal have signed since Thomas Vermaelen wow. in 2009. That shows you how little Arsene Wenger cared about what was going on back there or any consideration he had for it, but just how badly the recruitment has been at the Gunners. I think it was bizarre, but he'll be good. I think he'll be a good addition. Like I said, I don't think he's going to challenge immediately for a, for a starting 11 spot. And then Cedric Suarez on the other side, a Portuguese international with a great number of caps, very well respected, very well regarded at Southampton, but coming to the end of his deal there. So that was a, that's a loan deal that will be turned into a permanent transfer in the summer, completely free of charge, apart from the small loan fee and then a smart bit of business. Is there any point asking the Liverpool about you know his his, his deals <laughs> under the window didn't need to do anything did you I mean quite the opposite to it uh, to what Matt's just uh, said about Arsenal and their kind of you know their approach to transfers and Liverpool just continuing uh, their very clear kind of idea on how they want to approach building 
the squad and developing things at Anfield. Just the one signing, of course, Japanese international Takumi Minamino coming in for, what, just £7.3 million, which was an absolute bargain release fee. He played against Liverpool a couple of times in the Champions League, of course, uh, for Salzburg in the group stages, scored at Anfield. It was very impressive and is a player who no doubt fits in with the Liverpool philosophy. Obviously, Liverpool have a very clear identity under Jurgen Klopp these days and you know you can tell that they take their time bringing players in but once they identify a player who they feel is the right fit they make a very swift move for that player and that's what happened of course you know I think the deal was kind of wrapped up uh, just at the end of December they signed on the dotted line basically right at the very start of January he's come in he's, he's, he's started a couple of the uh, cup games that we've had uh, in January and you know he's on the bench again for this game at the moment and I think I think it'll be a case of he'll do the same that what you know Jurgen Klopp has done with the likes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain Fabinho and a few of the other signings over the last uh, few transfer windows which is a case of just kind of giving him time to bed in to learn the system and so on the important thing as well actually is a couple of uh, players who've gone out uh, on loan for Liverpool Rian Brewster obviously highly thought of teenage strikers gone to Swansea on loan got a couple of goals there already and uh, even Herbie Kane heading out to Hull City as well but yeah can't complain at all about anything to do with Liverpool at the moment. It's so, so difficult, isn't it, when a team is playing so, so brilliantly well to actually convince anybody that they should be a part of the project because realistically what you're saying to them, especially with that Liverpool front three, is when you come on over, you're going to get anywhere near our starting eleven for a long time. You're going to have to bide your time. So it's really, really tricky and I think we found that issue with a great number of clubs who have looked for players. You look at Spurs. Spurs wanted a centre-forward to come in but ultimately the sell that you're giving them is just come for a bit because Harry Kane's coming back. Chelsea the same, just come over for a bit but Abraham's playing pretty well. Man United the same, come in, but we've got Martial Rashford will be back soon. It's so, so tricky. So the fact that Klopp identified a player that he knew would be willing to bide his time, to be able to be bedded in, a younger player, a player coming from a league that's just going to jump at that sort of opportunity again. And, and I think the whole world looks at how Liverpool are run and think, spot on. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we will have full times for you in the Arabian Gulf League. And, of course, look ahead to the late kickoff in the Arabian Gulf League. Plus, more team news coming through for you from the 7 o'clock kickoffs in the Premier League. Uh, We've got action down in Spain, action in Italy and over in Germany. Got our work cut out. This is The Grill, your weekend home for all things sports. Live from Barasti. On Dubai I 103.8. By 21 points to nil in the first kickoff in the Guinness Six Nations this year. Just the solitary goal to report to uh, to you uh, from the Premier League seven o'clock kickoff so far. Watford leading Everton by one goal to nil. Not a single goal to report up in the Scottish Premiership. We'll give you half times from the uh, Championship in just a little while. Uh, no goals over in uh, the early kickoff. Sorry, the second kickoff in the Liga at the moment. The Madrid derby, Real against Atletico, is a nil nil as we speak. What we can do, though, is turn our attention uh, to some of the other games that have kicked off in the Premier League. Uh, let's start with, uh, well, let's go to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace against Sheffield United. Uh, let's hear from Sander Berger. Uh, actually, no one knows how to pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> no one's got a clue. He's new at Sheffield United. Record signing, so we should know how to pronounce his name. Uh, he's been speaking ahead of what could be his first performance for Sheffield United. See if he made the starting 11 in a few moments' time. This is Sander, record signing, Sheffield United. How does it feel to be Sheffield United's record signing? Ah, fantastic. Of course, a dream coming true. And the uh, club's really shown that uh, they wanted me here. And uh, yeah, f- felt like I've been part of a family for one and a half day. And uh, it's lovely to be here. And I'm already trained two times, so it feels good. Chris Wilde has been tracking you for quite some time. Is that a, a real boost to your confidence, the fact that the manager's got so much faith in you? Yeah, that was the main reason why I, I came here and I chose uh, this club. Uh, I've spoken with Chris and I've been admiring the team for a long time now and how they play, but also how he handles uh, the personal perspective of uh, everybody and the dressing room. And it uh, seems like a fantastic group. So uh, I'm just looking forward to contribute by from day one. Does he get a look in? He does indeed. I think, I think after the efforts that Wilder have put into signing the, the 21-year-old Norwegian international, he was bound to start as early as he possibly could. He does indeed start for this game. I'll, t- I'll tell you the full lineup. Sheffield United still impressing me. They've stuttered a little bit. 
lost three of their last five. They're still hanging on, though, in eighth place, mostly because everybody else around them is also <laughs> stuttering. So they're, they're continuing. They start, as you might expect, in fact. Dean Henderson, I would suggest, the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. Wow. He continues in goal. They're back three of Jack O'Connell, John Egan and Chris Basham. They now have Edna Stevens and Bulldog. They're the two wing-backs. That midfield three now of John Fleck, Norwood, and then Sanderberg fits in. Those who don't know about Sanderberg, it's a holding midfielder, and I think that is really important for Sheffield United. Of course, the famed overlapping centre-halves that he likes to play. I think it's really important to have someone solid at the base of that midfield and that young Norwegian international. He's got 20 caps at the age of 21. He'll give them that. Leading the line, though, that's still, for me, where they could have done with a little bit of strength and they've got Ollie McBurney alongside Billy Sharp. Uh, there are two results to bring you before we bring you news of Palace and how they lined up and a very bizarre interview with Patrick Van Arnhol as well. Uh, we have got news of two results from the Arabian Gulf League. Al Nasser against Ajman was... Uh, one of the early kickoffs. Chris McCarty brought us details of that one. It has finished with uh, three points to the away team. Ajman beating Al Nasser in something of an upset there. Good goal, as we heard from Chris for Ajman. Banias have beaten Al Dafra by the same margin, one goal to nil, which leaves one more game. Alain against Al Wassel is your eight o'clock kickoff. The man who will be calling it with the English commentary is Mr. Pedro Carrera, who joins us live on the line now. A uh, big one to look forward to this evening, Pedro. Uh, as the Arabian Gulf League continues its action on a Saturday evening. Yes, Tom. Uh, first of all, good evening, everybody. Yeah, we'll have this 8 o'clock kickoff between two of the most decorated clubs in uh, Arabian Gulf League, for sure. Alain uh, versus Al-Wassal, also two of the biggest fan bases. So expecting a good crowd here at Hazard bin Zayed Stadium. So a uh, lot to look for uh, starting off at 8pm, uh, uh, the kickoff. Alain, obviously very high expectations on them in recent years. Will they be disappointed with their fifth position at the midway point of the season? Well, right now as we speak, uh, Tom, they have two matches on hand. Uh, they will have to play now with Al-Wassel and they still have one match uh, versus Calva that was uh, postponed. So if they manage to secure two wins on those two matches, they can reach the second place with 30 points. And uh, they will be the biggest challenger for Shabab Al-Ahli that right now sits comfortably on the top of the table with 35, as you know. We've seen a few upsets in recent days with some of the uh, less con considered teams taking on some of the bigger ones. Ajman against Al Nasser earlier on today. Uh, could Shabab Al-Ali have a slip up against Fajera tomorrow? Yeah, it's the Arabian Gulf League, Tom. We never know what's going to happen next. Uh, anything can happen. I always say that anything can happen in the Arabian Gulf League. So it's it's quite possible that we have a shock, that we might have a shocker tonight uh, tomorrow, as we had already uh, today in the match between uh, Ajman and Al Nasser. Uh, I was not expecting that, to be honest. But uh, anything can happen. So lots of uh, interesting matches to look for. Also, the uh, match between Jazeera and Wada will be an Abu Dhabi derby for sure. Interesting to, to follow. Lots to look forward to. I'll let you get uh, back to your commentary duties. Pedro, thanks so much indeed for joining us. Pedro Carrera there is your dedicated English commentator for the final game today in the Arabian Gulf League. Alain against Al Wassel. Catch him live uh, on Dubai Sports TV, Arabian Sports, uh, sorry, Abu Dhabi Sports TV uh, and Sharjah Sports as well. Not just today, but throughout the season as well. English and Arabic commentary. Uh, better still, get yourself down to the games themselves. Be part of the action. Find your local team and get get along and support some world-class players from all corners of the globe uh, competing in this year's Arabian Gulf League. At AG League, download the app now for all the latest. Uh, hashtag our game is on. Let's get back to the Premier League now, from the Arabian Gulf League back to the Premier League. Uh, Crystal Palace, how do they line up? Danny Norton. Well, I can tell you that Roy Hodgson has made four changes to the Palace side that lost last time out to Southampton. Obviously, Crystal Palace very inconsistent because the game before that loss to the Saints, they uh, got a very credible draw away at Man City. For those four changes today, Patrick, Patrick Van Arnholt and Christian Benteke, oh. bo they both return from injury. Luka Milejevic, the captain He's back from that three-match suspension. Joe Ward is also back as well, handed his first start since recovering from that knee problem. And there's also the returning Andros Townsend. He's fit again, but only fit enough for the Palace uh, bench. So you got Guetta in goal. you got Ward, Cahill, Tompkins and Van Arnholt as the back four. Malejevic is the hold midfielder with MacArthur and McCarthy. Either side of him, Andre Ayew on the right wing, Wilfred Saha on the left and Christian Benteke up front. Now, I've seen some 
random interviews in my time. Um, but this one really does take the biscuit. Uh, Patrick Van Arnholt, who was... There was a lot of speculation about his future at Palace during the transfer window. Was he going to get a, a move uh, to another club? Uh, there was a bit of interest in him as well from others. Anyway, he's staying, uh, which I think is great news for Roy Hodgson, for Palace fans as well. But rather than just, you know, do an interview as you're leaving training or some of that, no. He invites the interviewer, the reporter, into the back uh, of his PVA, a customised car which basically is a massive Rolls Royce that he's had embroidered with PVA and a, and a, and a, and a, a star scene roof and everything and they sit in the back if you get an opportunity to have a little look at it later on today it, it, j- just do because it is so awkward it's quite hilarious I'm not sure whether the audio itself will will do it um, justice but it's just the most bizarre thing I've seen anyway let's have a little listen in to still a palace man Patrick Van Arnholt one man who is staying at Crystal Palace, I'd like to say my old nemesis, Patrick Van Arnhart is here. Patrick, fit, fit tomorrow, you've had, you've had injuries, but any news on the, fit in, on the injury? Um, yeah, I'm back fit, back in training. I've trained uh, the whole week, so um, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. That's fantastic news, brilliant. And you're feeling 100% again? Yeah, back to 100%. Um, I had a full week of training, and uh, so yeah, it's been a long, tough four weeks for me, but um, like I said, um, I did my fitness test with the physios, and uh, I've been in full training the whole week, so... That's great because it could be a huge summer for you as well, obviously, because you've got the European Championships as well. How much is that on your mind? Um, yeah, of course it's in your mind, but um, my focus is fully on Palace um, till the rest of the season, and then we focus on the, on the national team. But for now, I'm, uh, I'm really focused on Palace. Yeah, because you do love it here, don't you? And you do love it in London. But there, w- there was interest uh, back home as well. So, but how do you feel now? You, you happy to still be here? Um, I've always been happy to be at Palace, you know, um, since day one, since I signed here, I've, I've, I've said it, I've, I've, it's, it's a family, it's, it's, it's a great club with great fans and uh, it's, it's always good to be linked with, uh, with the club, especially when, when they are like home, of course, but um, uh, you never know in the, in, in the transfer window and uh, if Palace said there, yeah, um, there's no chance I'm going, it's not for sale, like, like the gaffer said, so um, uh, I'm going to focus on Palace. He was very adamant with me as well, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Well, that's the gaffer's decision, isn't it? So, um, um, yeah, from my point of view, I'm, I'm still a Palace player and I still have a contract. So, I'm, uh, I get, I, I'm, I, as long as I'm here, I give 100% for the club. And it's nice to feel wanted as well. I mean, so many people love you here at Crystal Palace. I mean, so many have got you in the fancy football teams as well. Might add a few goals and assists as well before the end of the season. Oh, uh, you never know, you know. It's always been my strength. So, um, we'll see, we'll see. But my first focus is tomorrow and again. Absolutely. Now, Tottenham have signed Stephen Bergwijn from PSV, a man, a man you know very well, plays in the Dutch national team as well. What, what can Spurs fans ex- uh, expect from him? Um, goals. Um, he's a very good player, very strong player, um, very quick, talented. So uh, they, they've signed a very, very, very good player. Brilliant. All right, we will bring you... The goal, uh, and it is good news for uh, Mr. Tom Urquhart. Good news for West Ham <laughs> fans as well. Uh, how long that good news continues for remains to be seen. Uh, and it is West Ham who have taken uh, the lead on the half-hour mark uh, from Issa Diop, of all people, uh, the centre-back who has uh, popped up to pop one in for West Ham against Brighton Hove Albion. You, you used that phrase a little bit earlier on, the old... Um, the, 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 the six-pointer. I think that's one of the phrases that pretty much sums up West Ham against Brighton at this, this afternoon. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, West Ham 17th in the table, yeah. only out of the relegation zone on goal difference. This is a massive first goal against Brighton, who themselves have kind of slipped in recent yeah. weeks as well, haven't they? So, yeah, we like throwing cliches around, don't we? And this, no doubt, is a, uh, a relegation six-pointer to throw in there and a good start for your boys. I'm sorry to drag you away from uh, Liverpool on the big screen because it's end-to-end stuff down there isn't it how have Liverpool lined up for the start okay just one the one change for Jurgen Klopp's men from that victory sorry to bring it up again Tom but over West Ham in midweek so Sadio Mane remains out with that injury that muscle tear that he suffered a couple of weeks ago uh, Divock Origi drops to the bench in comes Alex uh, Oxley in fact sorry in comes Fabinho which means that Alex Oxley Chamberlain moves further forward to essentially play in Sadio Mane's position on the left of the front 
front three. And uh, so I can tell you that Alisson's starting goal, Alisson, of course, being the real genuine best goalkeeper of the season <laughs> so far, despite the uh, good efforts of Dean Henderson. <laughs> and then you've got Alexander-Arnold right back, Robertson left back with Gomez and Van Dijk as ever. The centre-back pairing, Wijnaldum, Fabinho and Henderson in the mid-three. And of course, Salah and Firmino playing up front alongside uh, that man, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, talking of Oxlade-Chamberlain, obviously he came from my beloved Arsenal. Who I, that's always how I refer to them as my beloved Arsenal. I think that's their official title. <laughs> I used um, to refer to as my beloved West Ham, but that, yeah, that's, that's out the window. That's over. <laughs> that relationship's very bitter and sour now. <laughs> my my ex West Ham United. <laughs> um, about Oxlade Chamberlain, Arsenal fans grew incredibly frustrated with him, and I think unfairly so because he's pushed from pillar to post. And you touched on it there: holding midfield one week, attacking of a three the other week. He just can't seem to nail down. I think he even played for fullback for Arsenal a few times. Where have you seen for Liverpool? Of course, he was injured for, for such a long period of time. Where do you see him fitting in? Is there ever a chance he's going to nail down a regular starting spot? Uh, potentially. I mean, he has actually played most of uh, the recent games uh, for Liverpool, obviously, while Fabinho's uh, been out injured. I think his best position, without a doubt, is in a midfield three, but not the holding role. As one of those two on either side who've got licence to roam. But the key thing for Liverpool's, for those, it's typically, it's Wijnaldum and Henderson today is their work in the channel is getting basically being box-to-box midfielders essentially offering that kind of cover for the roaming fullbacks Robertson and Arnold but Liverpool fans are very fond of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain he came in and it took him a while to get settled into the team like I mentioned earlier on after that £40 million signing from the Gunners but once he did he had a tremendous first season for Liverpool until that injury against Roma in the uh, semi-final of the Champions League because he'd scored the corker against City he'd scored scored twice against City that season both in the Premier League and then of course in the quarterfinal of the Champions League when the teams met that year as well and you know he was one of those players who he would be given licence to roam to get forward you know he's obviously encouraged to shoot encouraged to go on these long runs and that I know Jurgen Klopp was a fan of his from his time at Arsenal as well I'm not too sure of him in this position here that he's got today where he's basically part of the front three I think he's better when he can pick the ball up with a bit of space ahead of him to run into yeah, you're absolutely. I remember his best game he had for Arsenal was against AC Milan. We'd lost the first leg 4-0. I was there that, that night in Milan. Absolutely grim experience. And in the second leg, he absolutely tortured the Rossoneri for the first half an hour. And we scored three, all coming through him, be that penalties, assists or a goal himself. And you're absolutely right. It's that picking the ball up a little bit deep. A lot like Vinaldum does. It's that sort of taking it off the centre-halves or off your holding midfielder and just having that space because that level of pace and close control is absolutely terrifying. The problem is when he plays out wide, I actually don't think he can cross the ball very well but what he can do is put his foot through it and that's where he makes a big difference. And the one thing I'd say though is is I don't think any of the midfielders Bath perhaps Jordan Henderson and maybe Fabinho can really think of themselves as being guaranteed first 11 week in, week out because Jurgen Klopp likes to uh, keep his back five and his front three pretty much the same week in, week out if he can do. It's the midfield who are the workhorses who really do work their socks off, which is where he's going to rotate. And I think maybe he's a very similar player to Nabi Keita. I think in the fact that yeah. he can pick the ball up, he can run at teams, he can shoot from long range, he can dribble the ball. I can see kind of him sharing that kind of third and final midfield position with Keita and kind of swapping out. But the thing is, both of them are quite injury prone in a sense. Yeah. So let's just hope as Liverpool fans, we've always got at least one of them. Let's <laughs> hear so from Jurgen Klopp now. Uh, he has been asked midweek about certain Danny Ings, obviously, a man uh, who was under his tutelage. He's wishing him all the best, apart from when he's playing against Liverpool. Everybody here in this building is so happy about the, the, the situation of, of Danny. He's, even if it's not anymore, he's still our boy, kind of. Um, and we all follow each step of his career. We are celebrating goals he scores. That will be different tomorrow, obviously. Um, but um, apart from the games against us, we couldn't wish him better than we do. He's such a wonderful person. And um, yeah, we had to intense time here together unfortunately it was not in a, it was not involved but not game time involved for i think uh, some good reasons and the decision he made going to southampton was a perfect decision there yeah, he needed as well a little bit of time to get rhythm back but now he is on fire and um, like the whole team actually he was on fire the the turnaround they made is exceptional up from Danny, really, we couldn't be more happy and we're really happy to see him tomorrow again. But of course, um, uh, we wish him all the best and, and the best season of his life if he wants, but um, not tomorrow. 
<laughs> uh, that was Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, he is taking on um, his fellow countryman, Ralph Hersenhartl, uh, and a man he knows very, very well. They've been seen embracing before the game uh, already. Hersenhartl's also been asked about his uh, January window before the games, the ins, the outs. What about Suarez? The fact is that uh, he's out of contract in the summer. He is, at the moment, he's injured. Uh, so will take I think three or four weeks until he can play again uh, the player uh, we had a good uh, meeting two days ago where uh, we didn't speak about that uh, I was uh, very positive with his development of his game in our in our shape I could also imagine to go longer with him and uh, but sometimes things changes quickly in football and then um, yeah for the club and for him it's the best uh, then we say okay if you want to leave uh, then uh, you have only uh, two three more months contract then uh, it's better to go and we are concentrating on developing other players extraordinary story with Southampton in recent weeks uh, can they continue that uh, uh, development uh, at the moment we'll wait and see how they lined up today yeah the ninth place Southampton is still staggering of course nine matching the amount of goals they conceded that fateful night against Leicester but we touched on this a couple of weeks ago absolute credit to the board at Southampton for not throwing the baby out with the bathwater after that terrible terrible defeat and giving giving him time Husson Hartland to, to make sure that he turned it around and turn it around he has three wins in the last five incredible scenes they line up as, as you might expect Alex McCoy Carthy, who was uh, instated into goals kind of just after that 9-0 game and has really come into his own, the ex-Reading goalkeeper. They have a back four this week. is Ryan Bertrand, Jan Berdanak, Jack Stevens, and then in at right back, replacing Cedric Suarez is James Ward-Prowse, of course, playing out of position. Ward-Prowse has been very good for them in central midfield. They've been knocking on the door of an England call-up earlier this season. I'm not sure he's quite at that stand, but he goes in at right back. Ahead of him, you've got Jeanette Pro on the right, Oreo Romeo and Pierre Hoiberg, and then Nathan Redmond on the left, and then 14 goal Danny Ings. He leads the line alongside Shane Long. That's what's happening with the uh, Southampton uh, Liverpool game. Danny uh, Norton's watching, not Danny Engs, but Danny Norton's watching yeah. this one for us. What, 38, 39 on the court? Yes, and I've got to say, Southampton are playing very well so far. It remains goalless at Anfield, and certainly for the first 25, 30 minutes of the game, Southampton were arguably the better side. In the last 10 minutes or so, Liverpool have started to assert their dominance, the dominance you would expect of a team who are 19 points clear at the top of the table it's been quite incredible that they've already reached the 70 point mark and uh, you know it did so at the end of uh, January but Southampton playing very well obviously uh, like Matt just mentioned there they've got those really hard working forwards and Shane Long and Danny Ings up front and they've been making you know they've been making giving the Liverpool centre-backs as we see a chance at the moment which is just snuffed out for Southampton but they've been all over the Liverpool centre-backs Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk not giving them any time to play out back from the back at all and they've been working back into midfield as well it's been a very hard working performance from Southampton so far as Liverpool break up the other end it's Wijnaldum with a really poor pass into the middle to kind of snuff out what had been a quite rapid uh, Liverpool counter-attack but yeah Southampton certainly uh, playing very well at Anfield so far making the league leaders work very very hard it's uh, still goalless after 40 minutes breaking away to the rugby uh, try just being checked by the video referee in the game between Italy and Wales uh, the referee has given it on the pitch they're just checking if uh, there was an infringement uh, back in play that would see uh, f- uh, the, the Welsh team extend their lead to 26 points uh, without loss uh, to the Italians zero at the moment the try has been given so Tompkins going over third try for the Welsh conversion to follow we'll keep an eye on that one for you OK let's get up to Newcastle shall we uh, they got a new man in the ranks now this is a story and a half isn't it so Danny Rose come on come on Danny tell us what happened what happened with you and Jose Danny what went on <laughs> who, who, who manufactured this move up north Danny Talk us through how the move came about and how happy you are to be here. Um, you know, I was, I was watching uh, Newcastle play Chelsea and, you know, I, I saw, you know, the, the injury that Jetro had and, um, you know, straight away I just, uh, you know, got on the phone to my agent and said, you know, I, I want to go there. And, uh, yeah, it took probably, you know, a week to t- 10 days to, to get there, but, you know, I'm happy that I'm here. Pretty unusual for that, isn't it? For for a player to contact their agent and say, I want to go there. Normally it's the other way around, yeah. but I suppose that shows how keen you were. Yeah, and I think I need to uh, sack him, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, yeah, you know, it was just by uh, coincidence and uh, 
Um, yeah, I know it's obviously unfo- unfortunate that somebody's had to get injured, but you know I'm, I'm grateful that I'm here and uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to playing games now. Yeah, and you obviously arrived yesterday, had your medical. You, you trained this morning? Yeah, I trained this morning. Um, you know, it's just a, a usual day before a game um, training session. It was uh, it was light and uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. Yeah, and the manager we spoke to him earlier this morning at his, his news conference. Uh, he says all, all three of the new signings in the squad for the match tomorrow. You could make your debut how much are you are you looking forward to that yeah I'm over the moon um, you know I'm just looking forward to um, obviously being involved and you know feeling part of a squad again um, yeah you know making my debut you know in front of you know 50,000 50, fans is you know it'll be very special and uh, you know it's you know it's something I'm looking forward to can I ask you one more um, I noticed you spoke to the club website last night and you said one of the reasons you moved here is you like the chip shops better in the north of England <laughs> is, that, is that right? yeah that is true <laughs> you know the, the best chippy is uh, in Doncaster you know where I'm from so you know I was in London for 13 years and I think I only uh, you know found one one good chip shop so um, yeah I'm going to make the most of it now I'm, now I'm back up north and uh, you know looking forward to enjoying life again I think two southern softies want to take issue with that in a few <laughs> moments time so hold on Danny hold on anyway we will get on to the chip shop debate in just a few moments George North has gone over for another try Wales are rampant in this second half however the goals are flying in the Premier League Danny Norton they certainly are Bournemouth now 1-0 up against Aston Villa Philip Billing is the man who's uh, given the Cherries the lead in uh, the 37th minute of this game, a cross was headed back into the middle of the box, left of the shot from Billing, unmarked to swipe into the back of the net. So Bournemouth has a huge goal in what is yet another relegation six-pointer. Uh, let's get back to Danny Rose and Chipgate as well. He's obviously not going out with the right people, surely. I, I, I'm absolutely outraged. and I'd like to send a personal <laughs> note of apology to the Beach House on Highbury Barn, which I lived above for four years in Islington. Now, listen, Danny, Islington's not far from Tottenham. You could have got down there, pal, I'm telling you. I saw in there, this is this is the truth. So we could, uh, I could see from my living room two floors above the chip. I could see the top of Emirates Stadium. I saw in there Liam Brady, Charlie George and George Graham, regulars at my local chippy. So Danny Rose should apologise for that <laughs> and also should apologise to Jethro Williams for seeing him injured and think, that's an opportunity for me. <laughs> it's just such a weird little interview. They're all weird on transfer day, that's for sure. Um, does he get his, his, his debut or not? Does he get his start? Danny Rose, let's have a look, look, look at the team. So I'm a little bit behind now because there's been another goal to oh, bring you as well, actually. I'll do this one instead for you. So Watford are now two goals to the good against Everton. Roberto Pereira taking advantage of really some quite awful defending from the Toffees and eclipsed the ball over Jordan Pickford into the back of the net. And Watford's renaissance in the Premier League this season, their battle against relegation continues. Very quickly, uh, two goals to the good they are at Vicarage wow. Road with just a few minutes to go in this first half. Well, we'll check out that Newcastle team news for you in a few moments' time. They're playing Norwich at the moment. You've got that in front of you, uh, Mr Matt Fortune. Uh, let's uh, see how Norwich line up. Yeah, Norwich lining up. It's a big ask for Norwich. I think we might have expected a little bit more from them in the January transfer window or they're just they're consigned to their fate. Yeah. They've only won once on the road. They're rock bottom of the Premier League. 17 points after 24 matches. It's the fifth worst ever record at this stage of a Premier League season but they go to Newcastle thinking that perhaps a win there could draw oh Tom you're you're, uh, you're just checking over your shoulder there goodness me indeed we got uh, alerted to yet more goals flying in and we're trying to keep an eye on all the uh, screens down here at Barasti. Danny Norton can bring us details. Well, you're going to be happy about this one because it's another goal for your beloved Hammers, even if you don't uh, quite use that yeah. phrase these days anyway. But yes, uh, certainly uh, Robert Snodgrass has got his name on the score sheet in the 45th minute here, but it's uh, via a big deflection. I didn't see which the uh, uh, Brighton centre-backs the ball ricocheted off, but the ball was played over from the right-hand side. It was headed out, but only as far as Robert Snodgrass and him with that left foot. He fired it towards goal. It like it was going in but it certainly sent the keeper the wrong way uh, to give uh, David Moyes' men a two-goal lead on the stroke of half-time at London Stadium. So no big names uh, coming into Norwich. Uh, one of them though is Sam McCallum. He's arrived from Coventry. Hectic to say the least but um, quite overwhelming as well but everyone's welcoming me with open hands so 
it's quite good, yeah. So I'm quite an athletic player, um, play left back, but I can play wing back as well. So um, just get up and down the get up and down the wings. Yeah. Um, so I, from a young age, I started at Hambay Youth, um, and then from then on, I sort of went went through the ranks there. Yeah. Then we went like, went to Jamie Vardy's academy um, in the summer of uh, 2018, and obviously I got picked up from there doing. Uh, in, in the showcase games, so obviously Coventry came to see me then. Um, they obviously liked how I played. Yeah, I watched them obviously when they're on TV, um, and a few other games as well. I've watched, um, but yeah, I, I feel like I can almost do a job that they do at the moment. So yeah, yeah, the club's got a good philosophy where they um, bring through like young players. Obviously Max Harrens and Jamal Lewis, Ben Godfrey as well. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a good philosophy. Yeah, he's um, he's just said. Obviously, there's things to work on. I'm still not the finished article, um, and I won't be for a long time. But uh, I just basically need to keep doing what I'm doing because obviously that's what he likes and what the club likes. I think I think you're gonna have to press that a few more times, Bench. <laughs> right? How on earth are we gonna do this? We will eventually get to Newcastle Norwich team team lineups. So maybe by the end of the game, uh, see which subs have come on. But let's try and uh, get to the goals. Dan Norton. Yeah, two more goals to bring you. We'll start off at Bournemouth where they have doubled their lead. Nathan Ake uh, doubling the Cherries' advantage following up after Ryan Fraser's shot is parried by Pepe Reina and uh, giving Bournemouth two-goal advantage, like I say, in the uh, just on the stroke of half-time. But Everton are back in it at Vicarage Road. There's a bit of a goal-mouth strang- uh, scramble. Yerry Mina prodding the ball home from very close range in uh, added on time at the end of the first half. Uh, to give uh, Everton a bit of a glimmer of hope going into half-time. So it's now Watford 2, Everton 1. Right, those are the goals. Uh, let's take a short break. When we co- Actually, let's do this Newcastle. Let's get this Newcastle-Norwich thing out of the way, otherwise <laughs> we're going to be with it forever. So Norwich, no major surprises, correct? No, nothing at all. No, the young lad that we just heard from, Sam McCollum, he doesn't make his bow just yet. So they line up as they have been for most of the season. Tim Crawling bins. You've got Sam Bryan, Grant Halley, Zimmerman and Max Ahrens as your back four. Kenny McLean and Alexander Tete there at the base of midfield. Todd Cantwell has got back into the side after a small muscle problem a couple of weeks back. And then Duda and Rupp complete the, back th- uh, the front three behind Timo. Pookie. Danny Rose with all those digs about nice being back with the squad, nice being playing with the squad and things like that uh, nice being part of a squad player again, does he get his debut or not? Uh, well he's part of the squad, uh, I, can, <laughs> I can certainly tell you that one, uh, no doubt about that so but he's certainly duty. not in the starting 11 but um, yes I can tell you with January signing for the Toon Army, Nabil Bentaleb he does make his Premier League debut uh, for Newcastle, he's one of three changes to their previous uh, draw at Everton, uh, that 2-2 draw that remarkable two-all draw at Goodison Park uh, he comes in alongside DeAndre Yedlin and Alan St. Maximum and the Longstaff brothers and Christian Atsu drop out so it's a back three of Fernandez, Lascelles and Clark in front of Dubravka, Yedlin and Richie as the uh, two full-backs Almiron, Bentaleb, Hayden and St. Maximum uh, are the four in the middle with uh, Jolinton up front for Newcastle. We took a short break so we can watch these goals and then we'll be back with more after that <laughs> Premier League keeps delivering. It absolutely does. Penny for the thoughts of Nigel Pearson and the Watford starting 11. Just a few moments ago, they were 2 0 up just on the stroke of half time, but they walk into the tunnel at Vicarage Road at 2 all. It's after Yerry Mina scored once again for Everton, two times in added on time at the end of the first half. Watford were 2 0 up, they were coasting, but suddenly it is all square there. Yerry Mina once again, Hornets failing to deal with a corner, inexplicably leaving Yerry Mina completely unmarked you don't want to do that with a corner for the Toffees and the defender nodding in for his second goal in as many minutes what a game we've got on there at Vicarage Road Watford 2 Everton 2 what a game we've got on there uh, not much of a game on at Cardiff at the moment Principality Stadium down there Wales are absolutely battering Italy 28 points nil into the second half uh, that's the first kickoff in the uh, Six Nations Guinness Six Nations of this year half time then in all the games in the Premier League let's get through some of those scores for you uh, it is AFC Bournemouth leading Aston Villa by those two goals to nil. Is that still the case? That's absolutely the case. We are goalless at both Selhurst Park, where Crystal Palace are hosting Sheffield United, and also up at Anfield as well, where the league leaders Liverpool are taking on Southampton. Southampton arguably being the better side. They've had a few chances. They've brought Alisson into play on a number.
number of occasions the there are anyway. coming off, Danny. That's it. It's over. <laughs> That's it now. So, it's yeah, on, onwards towards a goalless draw there. Liverpool attacking the clock in the uh, second half there. Also a goalless uh, first half as well. First 45 up at St. James's Park. Newcastle taking on Norwich there. And like I say, it's Watford 2, Everton 2. What an incredible end to that first 45. And West Ham 2-0 up against Brighton at the London Stadium. Just going to go up to Scotland, you know, because I was very dismissive about Scotland a little earlier on, saying, which is weird because I'm Scottish uh, but uh, there haven't been many goals it was just it was all a bit of a drab uh, uh, event that you know we were sort of 25 minutes in no goals that's all changed it's all changed quite uh, fundamentally uh, since 20 minutes in on the game especially up at Hibs Hibs against St Mirren at the moment goals for Allen and Deutsch uh, for the home team against St Mirren's McCarthy and Andrew it's two apiece in that one Kilmanock are uh, trailing to Ross County by one goal to nil no goals uh, Livingston, Livingston against Motherwell or Rangers against Aberdeen Dean, uh, a game that I'm sure Chris McCarty will have an eye on. Uh, but there are goals at St. Johnson where Hearts, the visitors, lead the home team St. Johnson by two goals to one. All of those half times at the moment. Danny is also keeping an eye on La Liga for yeah, us. Yeah, the small matter of the Madrid derby. Real Madrid hosting their uh, close city rivals, Atletico Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu. But not much to report there, to be honest. It is half time and it is goalless. And interesting, really, kind of reading upon this looking forward to it and just feeling there's a little bit of a lack of I don't know stardust here Eden Hazard missing out of the Bernabeu Uh, he still uh, remains out injured just looking at the teams there Uh, just I don't know there just seems to be something missing from this game it's kind of lacking the kind of sparkle that I think we've had in recent years and that certainly certainly seems the case with the action or lack thereof uh, on the pitch itself like I say goalless at half time and that's not really the case when you look around the Bundesliga at the moment just give you an update from there Borussia Dortmund 3-0 up against Union Berlin Jadon Sancho Haaland that man again and Marco Royce uh, getting on the score sheet there Uh, it's looking good for Bayern Munich they are 3-1 up away at Mainz as well Lewandowski Muller and Alcantara Thiago Alcantara to give him his proper full name there uh, getting on the score sheet for the champions Hoffenheim beating Bayer Leverkusen by two goals to one whilst it's goalless between Fortuna and Antrecht Frankfurt let's get down to the championship if we can remember a little earlier on today Brentford smashed Hull by five goals to one Hull uh, shell-shocked after the news last night that not one of their top scorers but both had been sold at the 11th hour in the transfer deadline. Uh, one to West Ham, the other to West Brom. Uh, what's happening for... Well, it didn't happen for them today. They lost uh, 5-1 uh, to uh, title contenders Brentford. Uh, opportunity, though, half-time for us to have a look at through uh, some of the score lines coming through. What's jumped off the page for you, Matt Fortune? Yeah, well, the game, that, the game that everybody should be having an eye on is down at Craven Cottage, where Fulham raced into a 3-0 lead. They led through Bobby Reid after 10 minutes. Tom Kearney added one five minutes later. And that man, Alexander Mitrovic, added a third on 30 minutes, but within four minutes, Arsenal loanee Emil Smith-Rowe had pulled one back for struggling Huddersfield Town and six minutes after that, indeed, so that makes it three goals in eight minutes, Steve Mooney added a second, so that one goes in 3-2 half-time Fulham. That would put them still within the hunt of those automatic promotion spaces. Ahead of them, West Brom, they lead by a single goal to nil, and Leeds United after getting back to winning ways last time out after we're going winless in three, they are level at the moment with Wigan Athletic, nil-nil. Other games to keep an eye on, Preston North End, they're drawing with Swansea City. Bristol are one up at Queen's Park Rangers and Sheffield Wednesday Millwall, they're still goalless. And it is, all the goals seem to have come earlier on with Hull losing that, as you said, 1-5 to Brentford. Italian Serie A, Bologna leading Brescia by two goals to one into injury time in that one. Cagliari against Parma, Sassuola against Roma to follow later on this evening. PSG take on Montpellier, early kickoff, uh, 8.30pm kickoff in the French League. Uh, Edison Cavani, what's the story there? So he's, he's staying at PSG, but he's not going to play for them for the rest of the season. Is that right? I think he's sulking would be the case. It's one of those strange old decisions. I think a player of that quality, of that calibre, not being able to get out the door, I think he'd, went, he'd nailed his colours to the Atletico Madrid return mast and didn't get that opportunity by which time the chances of moving to either Chelsea, Manchester United or any one of the other clubs that were interested in him had passed. And that's such a shame for a player of that pedigree to just throw away essentially six months of his career. Uh, Penny for the thoughts of both our two boys here, Danny and uh, Matt, on uh, Anthony Robinson, uh, the young player who Everton have let go during the transfer window. Now, a lot of Everton fans not happy about this one. They're happy about the investment of cash into the club. They're happy about uh, the future, but also think that they let something of their, uh, their, their young stars go as well. 
Jolien Lescott, he's a man who knows a thing or two about football in that neck of the woods. Uh, he says that them letting this particular player go was a mistake. I mean, he is a, a very young player who's got an American father. He's an American international and going to AC Milan. Can you believe it? Yeah, fair play to him. Obviously done exceptionally well at Wigan to kind of uh, attract that attention. Um, but in terms of Everton, they should be kicking themselves now. Not seeing the potential in, the, in Anthony there. Leighton Baines is potentially reaching the end of his career due to his age. And as I said, he would have been a, an ideal kind of graduate there to, to fill in that void. But yeah, it's um, buzzing for him individually, but strange from Everton's point of view. Now, there is an addendum to this story as well, because we're trying to get confirmation. There's a bit of a grey area about as to whether he actually went or not because the deal apparently was penned but then again we go back to this whole issue of like the trend the deadline in transfer deadline which doesn't really exist does it because uh, then you haven't got your pieces of paper in place or anything otherwise so it seemed like he was going and then he didn't go I don't even know where we're at with this one as yet yeah I'm struggling to figure it out as well on this one because like you mentioned there are times where you'll see the morning after about oh this deal was done at like 11 minutes past the hour and this one was done at like 1.15 in the morning whatever but then you read into it and it's because they got certain paperwork across at certain amounts of time but then it seems to me as though different leagues have different rules for it yeah. and it depends on whether they're coming or going etc whether someone's coming into a league or leaving a league and so on so Still trying to get me head around with this one as well. Was there not the lad at Leicester City about two, three windows ago that missed the paperwork deadline by 14 (laughs) seconds? But what had happened was the paperwork had been submitted for him to leave the club he was at but not registered to join the club he was joining, and thus he was stuck in purgatory for four or five months and wasn't able to play for either of them. Yeah. It's a funny old system. I still, I'm sure I don't use it, but it's still referred to as using a fax machine, is it not, to file over the contracts? If that's still the case in 2020, no wonder things are getting delayed. Daniel's just getting confirmation. It has fallen through, hasn't Yeah, it, it seems to be the case anyway. Just reading uh, you know, uh, an article in The Independent over in the UK saying uh, that Anthony Robinson saw his dream move to uh, the Milan Giants collapse in heartbreaking circumstances. Apparently he travelled to to Milan on Friday after the two clubs agreed a fee on Thursday evening. He underwent a medical, but then further medical tests with the Italian authorities were required, and they're subject to a 72-hour deadline, right. and therefore the deal could not be formally ratified before the what well, was a midnight deadline that we would have had last night. Wigan to Milan, what could have possibly gone wrong anyway? Eh? <laughs> I just want—I want to pick up on the the idea that you're saying there about. Everton and, and, and why it's such a shame that some of their younger players would want to seek a move abroad. Of course, we've always associated Everton with having a really profitable yeah. youth team. And you look at their starting 11 today, which I'm sure we were going to come on to anyway. There are still two players that have come through that system Mason Holgate at centre back and then Dominic Calvin Lewin, of course, who is enjoying one of his seasons of his life, I would yeah. suggest. But players like Tom Davis, who, who really burst onto the scene probably 18 months, two years ago, just finds it really hard to knock on that door. And looking at the rest of the team, you've got a 30 Five million pound centre half in Yeri Mina. You've got a twenty million pound fullback in Lucas Digny. You've got a thirty-five million pound player in Alex Awobi. Gilfie Sigurdsson was fifty million. Theo Walcott twenty-five million. Richarlson was knocking on about fifty million, and rumoured, of course, yesterday to be worth eighty-five million. Everton are throwing money at that club, or the board are throwing money at that club, and I think they're kind of forgetting the core of what made them who they are. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.